Welcome to Earth Riot Radio. I'm Reverend Billy from the Church of Stop Shopping. Hello, come on in here. We've heard the phrase, power to the people. Generations have risen and fallen, shouting those words. I've just experienced Hurricane Ida, waterfalls in the subways, waves throwing cars and trucks from the highways of New York City, a storm out of science fiction. And it makes me think we don't have to say power to the Earth, do we? The Earth doesn't ask us for power. The Earth doesn't have to ask the super-rich for permission to have power. The capitalist kings who sit in their offices, look out at the uprisings of the people, Occupy Wall Street, Standing Rock, the women of Me Too, Black Lives Matter. The rich watch all of that and they think, ah, that's okay, that's a business expense. But the earth? What if the people were to somehow join with the earth? What if we (laughs) joined up? There is evidence that is dawning on all kinds, all of us people, that the fossil companies will never stop pouring their poisons into the air, not as a part of any kind of democracy. What if the power to the people and the power of the earth became the power of the earth with its people, earth people? Yeah, what if we directed at the big banks and the oil companies the power of the Earth. Earth Alluvia.
We're talking today about this big gathering of world leaders and so forth at Glasgow, Scotland. It's called the COP26 Climate Conference. All the people from all around the world will come there to discuss climate change. I'm going to go there so I can carry your message. If you went there, okay, and you had a chance to carry what you were worried about, what would you say to the people there? I don't think those are the type of people who actually, like, you know, have influence. You know, I think we're going to have to, you know, as a society, you're going to have to influence climate change more than those people and, you know, eventually overthrow those people, you know. <laughs> if that, if that, that makes sense. Well, I think my biggest concern about climate is that nobody's taking it seriously enough. We're confronted with a pretty immediate and pretty immense future that people don't talk about. And our inability to talk about that is representative of our inability to solve that problem. People don't like to have theoretical conversations about climate, but at this point in time, that conversation has stopped becoming theoretical. I think we should think about it like we think about other political problems, things that have issues now. There's an issue of injustice, as well as a danger to people who live in cities, even like New York. To me, it's not really an issue that is something that we can afford to make political. It's something that we, we need to treat like an emergency. We have the tools to treat something like an emergency now, and we don't think about climate change and that kind of thing uh, as pressing as it actually is. My main concern is the sloth-like nature that change is happening. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of how and when. And there should never be an argument about whether we need to make changes or not. It's a matter of how fast it needs to happen. Because we're seeing the changes right now and can't sit around and lollygag. There has to be effective change now, and that means listening to voices of all ages and not just going on like what we've done before. Now, what can I do to be impactful? Like myself? You know, I mean, I don't know, try not to use fossil fuels as much as possible. I mean, I don't really drive or anything, you know, I bike a lot, you know, that, that sort of thing, you know, and I don't know, take public transportation, I don't know. I think people who, like, are, like, rich and shit and, like, actually, like, you know, contribute the most should, are the ones who should be training, like, I don't know, the people who fly, like, private jets and shit like that are the ones who need to change their lifestyle the most. I wish I could give you better answers on what I could do personally, but I, I, don't, I really don't know. Up for sure. <laughs> That's a good question. Um, I try and do as much as I can in terms of uh, reducing waste, uh, you know, making the right decisions in my life, but I suppose the way I deal with climate is through work. I'm an architect, so the conversations we have about climate are about building and how to build in a sustainable, climate conscious way.
The project I'm working on now is a very large residential project in New York. You know the types, you know, these big buildings. So, you know, those huge buildings have an immense carbon footprint. And so the role of an architect should be much more prominently involved in, you know, making sure that kind of stuff is sustainable, not just economical. But, you know, if you don't work in an industry that is as directly responsible for climate change, that might be through activism or information or education or something like that. Good question. I think it's universal health care because so many people make choices like, oh, I need this job because it has health care. And it might be some job that's it's crappy and, and it isn't good for the environment, isn't good for their family, but like it's the best they can do. Because there's so many things that people wouldn't have to worry about or think about or choices, hard choices they would have to make if they had the knowledge that their health was taken care of. Because I think a lot of people are afraid of losing their livelihood when it's a matter of transformation. When you're in survival mode, that's all you're thinking about. And you're not really thinking about the long term, but we need to think about the long term. Getting that to people will help them feel like, okay, not only do I think this is good for the environment, but it's gonna be good for me too, in, like, in the short term. It, it's, it really should be like our first priority because without an environment, without a context, where are we and what are we? It's all wrong. I shouldn't be up here. I should be back in school on the other side of the ocean. Yet you all come to us young people for hope. How dare you? You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. And yet I'm one of the lucky ones. People are suffering. People are dying. 
entire ecosystems are collapsing. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction, and all you can talk about is money and fairy tales of eternal economic growth. How dare you? Amen. Here we are. And now for today's message. It's a story of, it's a personal story. It's about being trapped and being freed and then getting the gift. Here we go. First of all, being trapped. I'm just talking about COVID. I'm talking about the lockdown. But not only that, I'm talking about why we were in our houses in the first place. We were in our houses because of the earth. Where did the virus come from? It came from the earth. It came from evolution. We blame the pangolin, the civic cat, and the, uh, the, the bats, the Wuhan bats. But the earth evolves us this way. Our evolution, human beings are evolved largely from viruses. So what we're doing right now is we're like trying to save ourselves from this thing that would evolve us, maybe kill us, but change us. We don't want it. Take that vaccine. But many of us were trapped in our houses by, over the last year and a half or so, the second and third wave, I get my waves mixed up, <laughs> so many of them. But people, people would not leave their houses. They were supposed to stay home. They found a way to get the groceries with the least amount of exposure and so forth. But to be in touch with the outside world, what did they, what did they do? They shopped. Sit down in front of that computer and touch that little erogenous spot there and buy that product. And then the Amazon truck pulls up and leaves a package the next morning. 24 hours later, there it is. And the Amazon driver generally didn't wait around. I didn't do this, but I saw my neighbors do it. They get back in their truck and they go. They might hit your doorbell, but they go. And then you go out, you get this package, you bring the package inside, and you look inside the package, whoa. That's your thrill for the day. Well, that is pure consumerism because what you have is the product, but you don't have the neighborliness, the storytelling, the humor of, of being with someone who chose something that you're buying. Put it on the shelf for you, and then you bring the thing you're buying to the counter, and the person tells you where they got the thing. Oh, I found this in a barn in New Hampshire. It was incredible. There was a guy on a porch with a dog. Classic. And this, this, this guy on the porch denied that he had any antiques. I knew he did. Finally, I had to talk to him for like, I don't know, half an hour. And finally, he opened up that barn and there it was. And so this bowl you're buying, it was there. It might have been sitting on that shelf in that barn for 20 years. I don't know. That kind of story, that just came up with that. But <laughs> hopefully some stories are more interesting than that one. But that's the kind of thing that happens, right? In your neighborhood. You know the name of the person. Or you know the person in some way. They, they, they curated their store. And that's not a chain store. That's not the sea of identical details, as we call it in the Church of Stop Shopping. That's, <laughs> that's where the person who is selling things to you is trading with you because you are trading back your story. They get their story. You're not rushed. It's not anonymous. 
It's not just data. It's not just profits for Jeff Bezos. And of course, that package at the door for a year and a half made Jeff Bezos the richest man in the world. And then what did he do when he got all the billions of dollars? He went into outer space, up, up, up. We put the gas in that rocket. We lit the fuse. We put him in outer space. And he went way up to the very top edge of the atmosphere and pontificated back at us. About how eventually, I guess we're gonna go to Mars with his leadership, his misleadership. That was pure consumerism. When you cut out the intimacy of, of, of trading stories, of filling in, you know, where things came from, and talking about what you've done the last few weeks of your life, or, or somebody down the street is, is just got an award, or somebody's sick, or, or you just, you just make colorful the world. You carry the painting of the world. Well, if you cut that out and go back down to pure consumerism, you've got the thing that we are doing together, this mass psychosis that pure consumerism does. Something about cutting out, talking to people, cutting out that neighborliness, something about that pure consumerism makes us capable of simply forgetting about the earth. Forgetting about what's happening with the earth. You can't be an environmentalist just abstractly. You have to do it with other people. You have to, you have to tell stories about what's happening with the weather in the next, the next county over, or what happened, what happened to you in Hurricane Ida. You see, we trade the details of the earth with each other as a part of those stories. Pure consumerism is depoliticized, per se. Well, I had, I had an experience near my neighborhood where I found myself trading stories with the earth, if I could put it that way. Hurricane Sandy six or seven years ago, when was that? Came the, the, the 140, 50 mile an hour winds, they came across Brooklyn and smacked into the hill near our house in Prospect Park. And the hill goes up into the sky there. It's a, a steep hill. It's where George Washington retreated when he was running away from the Hessians and the British in the first big battle of the Revolutionary War. And that hill had very old trees. And they were big, big trees, big, big, thick trunks. How old? A couple centuries old. Maybe they had been there since George Washington. Maybe there were seedlings back then or something. Sandy laid them low. Hundreds of trees were just mowed down, cracked, blown down, ripped out of the soil. And I went there and I visited them. It was amazing. I was, I was enthralled by the, the emotion of it. The roots up in the sky, the, the gestures of the branches, the, the tragedy of it. Like huge giant beings. And I was standing there and just taking it in. I'd been there a while, marveling at this, this tragic landscape. And then I was flipped 
into the air, backwards, all the way around somersaulting and landed on my face. Unbelievable. How did that happen? I was a little bit bruised, but, but, but not injured. I, I, but, but, I knew that something very strange had happened to me. There was no one anywhere near me, and I wasn't walking at the time, and I was flipped 360 degrees around and landed on my face, on my stomach. And I looked around and I, I, I came to gradually realize that I was in a living place, that the air around me was alive, and that these beautiful branches and roots that were all over reaching into the sky that were so beautiful to me, aesthetically beautiful, the, the gestures, that actually there was emotion here. There was tremendous tragedy being felt by this ecosystem, by these individuals, these trees. I knew that that was true. I knew that I was, I was being sacrilegious in some way, not respecting their lives passing as their lives ebbed there on that hill. And I kind of got out of there crawling. And as I, as I crawled on all fours, just down the side of the hill, I just said, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Forgive me. Forgive me. Now, over the time since then, all these books about trees have come out. And now, a lot of you listening to me right now, you know, you've read about how trees communicate with each other, how they tip each other off when there's a chainsaw coming, how a uh, grandfather tree or a grandmother tree will, will be sustained with nourishment. Sugars will be shot in that direction from the children of that tree to keep, to keep even, even the, the last of a stump, an old stump, alive. And there's all this communicating going on beneath the, 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 the earth with the fungi, the masses of wires and root systems down there carrying communications. We don't even know. We don't even know the secret life of plants. But we now, it's, it's entered the folklore of our knowledge and we, we, it goes along with dolphins, it goes along with honeybees, how, how honeybees communicate. They can tell another honeybee that there's a flower a mile and a half away and give the exact GPS to get there. You know, the, 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 we're starting to study that. Scientists are studying these things. But basically, what we're learning is that we don't know. We're learning there's so much they communicate about. We don't know what they're saying. We don't know the nature of their intelligence, but we sense that they are intelligent. And that all of nature is seething with intelligence that we don't understand. We've been learning this over the years. I think a lot of us are still, of course, completely arrogant. We're colonizing the earth. We're, we don't believe that this extinction is going forward. We don't believe that these three superstorms in the Gulf of Mexico at the same time and the entire, the entire state of California is on fire. We don't believe any. We're really, so many of us are so arrogant that we're just in a state of disbelief. This will blow over and we just think the earth is like a broken Chevrolet that will be fixed eventually by what? By us, superior, smart people. Well, 
We're on our way to COP26 right now. And I know that one of the things that thousands of people are going to do there together is invent a new kind of Earth activism. And it will be not based on our superiority to nature. It will be based on our, our co-creating with nature a resistance. And, uh, you know, all of that mystery that that is within just a, a few inches of us all the time. <laughs> uh, just a cubic inch of air has, has lots we don't understand. Am I, are you with me here, children? <laughs> I, and this is where in my sermon I start stuttering because I'm trying to talk about the unknown. And it's hard to talk about the unknown. But in the Church of Stop Shopping, we just call it fabulous. We say that is the fabulous unknown. And people call it quanta. People call it the God-Goddess mystery thing. All 700 names for God-Goddess. And we call it the great mystery. Russell Means from the American Indian movement called it the great mystery. It, we know there's a new kind of activism that we have to employ now. We have to resist in a new kind of way. We're letting the, 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 the oil companies and the big banks that give them billions of dollars and credit, we know that they are not stopping. They're making money every minute on levels that are unprecedented in the human race. We know they have to be stopped. We know at this point that we don't know how to stop them, that we're involved in a mass psychosis of suicide with the human race right now. We're not stopping them. And they're doing it right in front of us. And their, advertising come, their advertisements come right at us, and we, I, we don't believe them, but we let it, in some way, we let that happen. And we can't anymore. And the way we won't is by being in touch with that mystery, by just going into, by going into the natural world, talking to it, letting it come into our dreams, letting it come into our intuitional life, our paranormal life, all those coincidences we carry around, all that stuff that we think of that we didn't know why, and that, that whole life that we know we have that sometimes we just don't notice. The earth wants, to, wants us to get into a new kind of resistance, mystery resistance, let's call it, organic situationism. We'll have a name for it, but first let's do it. Let's not lead with the name, let's lead with the work. I'll see you up in Glasgow in some sense, in some way. We'll keep reporting every day. But until then, get out of that house. Don't let the richest man in the world give you that package. Go into the natural world. Let the trees teach you, amen? I will. Earth will do you, everyone.